everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 6 today. So, you know, last chapter, it just seemed like everything was just, I mean, really, really good, right? You know, David, he's finally king over all of Israel, just lots of success, right? Um, and I guess, you know, it kind of looks like, uh, you know, initially, it's like, well, yeah, things are continuing to go really well. Now here's the Ark of the Covenant. But yeah, we knew this uh, this kind of good streak couldn't last. Here you got something uh, bad happening here, and someone ends up dead yet again. So we're kind of like back to that after a short respite. What's the deal here? Why does Uzzah get struck down, right? Like, what 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 was that? Is that God being a little bit too harsh is this kind of that Old Testament wrathy stuff? Uh, that might be one way to read it, but let's go a little bit deeper today. Today, joining us, we've got Pastor Lucas Witt from Baltimore, Maryland. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty well today, AJ. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm back here pretty quickly. I think this is the second time this month, so I'm I'm curious if you got in some trouble and were touching some things you you know you weren't supposed to be, and this is your sentence to have me on again or something. <laughs> no, it's always it's always a delight to have you back. Um, <laughs> it's it's a pleasure uh, talking with some of my my dear old classmates here, and uh, well, you know, I mean, somebody's got to help keep you guys in line too. So you know, <laughs> that's, that's true. It's very true. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, it's uh, you're back and, and ready for seconds. So I I, I wasn't too. Uh, too mean last time, I guess, um, or that you're just being you're just being very forgiving. But uh, yeah, so Second Samuel chapter six is God being very forgiving, though. Well, I would say God is always forgiving, um, but He definitely has the right to forgive when He sees it fit and to uh, play out and live out uh, the consequence of the law when He sees fit. So today, you see that uh, I mean, Uzzah crossed a line and. Um, it seems like a lot of people crossed a line today. In fact, the biggest baffling thing to me is uh, is kind of how we got in this situation um, uh, with all the, the the teaching that should have been passed down and everything. But uh, so as it crosses a line today, um, and uh, God is perfectly right, perfectly doing uh, what He would say in in somebody getting to be uh, killed if if they get too close to His holiness, basically. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the thing that we'll have to to struggle with because I do think that this is getting at the the holiness of God, right? As as like this big theme, which is which is something that we we struggle with. I think, um, you know, we don't really, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think the idea of uh, sacred space is as intuitive to us these days. Um, you know, we don't, uh, especially in like Western culture. We're like not so big on like pilgrimages and shrines and things like that. Well, at least not when we think about it that way. <laughs> but if we actually have our own kinds of pilgrimages and shrines, that uh, maybe that's actually a different story. Uh, but yeah, it's just something that's not intuitive about it for us. And when we see that Uzzah it seems to be trying to do a good thing, right? I think that's the thing that gets us. Like I think I think we just have it so ingrained in us that well, if he tried to do something good, then you have to, you know, cut him some slack. He's entitled to that. Well, yeah. I mean, we talk, we talk about God looking at the heart, right? And uh, intentions are a big thing. Um, I would say Jesus did key on that when he was talking with religious leaders and uh, trying to bring 
that out. So intentions are important, um, but but intentions aren't everything, <laughs> and there are actions that uh, that need to be followed through in respect. So you can, you know, you can try and uh, do the good deed, um, but uh, but if you you know if you get in the way, if you break the law, you're still liable for those for those consequences. Yeah, that's that's. An, I like I like the way you're putting it there. Intentions aren't everything. Well, um, yeah. Well, we'll 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 get into it. I'm looking forward to, to the conversation today. Uh, before we go over the chapter, though, would you start us out with a prayer? Yeah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. You indeed fill heaven and earth and are everywhere. We rejoice that you are with us every step of our lives. We also rejoice that you are a holy God, one who is set apart, one who has called us to be his people. Uh, sometimes we struggle to uh, set apart, as AJ said, uh, to, to maybe give you the full respect of who you are and your space and your timing. But Lord, as we give this time and space to you of your word, guide us to open our eyes to see what you want us to see, to open our ears to hear what you'd have us to hear, to open our hearts to have us receive what you'd have us to receive. We pray this through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to have to come back to a word that you just used in the prayer there, which I think is uh, maybe a helpful hook for helping us understand it. But, um, I mean, that, that is respect. Um, uh, yeah, I think, there's, I think there's something to that. Um, I, I think that there's a couple of ways that we talk about respect, especially lately these days, um, where... Yeah, like you were saying, intentions aren't everything. I, I think that actually we, we, we could have some sympathy for that position, but uh, we'll we'll get there in a, in a minute. <laughs> uh, but first of all, let's just go over the chapter. Um, okay, so any, anything else we really, really ought to be thinking about or bringing to mind uh, to help us understand chapter six? We already mentioned the, uh, you know, just the, the good things that happened, you know, victories, uh, David crowned king, um, any anything else really you think before we give it a read through? Uh, no, I I think Steinman's helpful in kind of setting up a an interesting timeline here of how we've jumped a bit. But I think having a you know, going over Jesus or Jesus <laughs> having a, the precursor of Jesus David right. uh, building his palace. We kind of have this upswing here with the t the art coming in. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think the the big question coming up is uh, you know. Why wasn't the ark brought in the way it was supposed to be? Yeah, well, and and that really, um, yeah, that, I mean, that really kind of can change the whole thing and turn it on its head, right? If if you're kind of starting with the idea, like, wait a second, why was Uza even put in this position? That's um, I mean, that really changes the reading of the story then. But uh, let, let's just go ahead first and just give it the read through. So this is Second Samuel. Chapter 6 here in the English Standard Version. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the Ark of God on a, on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of this error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it out, took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abused in your eyes. By the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Yeah, I didn't even mention the bit about uh, Michal in the intro. It's like a <laughs> like the whole next level of this. I, I feel like, uh, in just on multiple levels, though, you read this chapter and you're you're just kind of feeling sorry for all the people who seem to get punished by God, right? Like, you know, you're like, hang on, Uzzah tried to stop the ark from falling. McCall is just saying, well, I mean, I don't want to like get into this, like, because there's some cultural stuff here. Uh, McCall seems to be saying, like, look at you, you're like stripping down in front of like these other women. How is that decent, right? Um, and she gets punished for saying that. So, I mean, you're just kind of like left and right, like, hang on a second. Like, is God punishing the right people? Um, but I suppose in some ways, I mean, what they look at this too earlier in the chapter, it seems like David might be thinking the same thing. Like, says he gets angry when God punishes Uzzah. So maybe we're not the only ones feeling that way. Yeah. Um, takes a little bit of a second reading for me to say, you know, at first it's like, well, David, you know, David's angry at God, right? And uh, boy, I would probably be feeling a bit that way too. Um, but, but when you look at David there, um, you know, it, it, uh, it just, it just kind of says he's, he's angry about the whole situation. Um, so he could be feeling betrayed, but I think, uh, how I take that moment, if I'm not jumping too deep here is, um, it, it, it seems like, uh, kind of when I, 
I mean, uh, well, just this past week, um, you know, I was driving my van uh, to the Y with our girls, and and uh, it was a bit of a foggier morning, and I didn't wipe off the the white the rear windows um, mm-hmm. uh, all that great, and uh, and I couldn't see the lane next to me as well. So I, I looked over, um, put on my turn signal, and uh, I was moving over the lane, and suddenly you hear that honk, um, mm. and uh, and. Uh, you know, and, and lo and behold, there's a car over there. And granted, he's he's gray, um, gray car, small car, doesn't have lights on. Uh, uh, but but it, you know, it, it was that moment where my blood pressure went up, and I thought, oh, oh yeah. you know, like, um, you know, and I could have been blaming him and saying, oh, you know, little gray car, no lights on, it's foggy, you know, probably in my yeah. blind spot. Um, you know, but really, it was you know, I was really more just kind of angry at myself. <laughs> um, I was I was kind of more just angry about kind of the whole situation, the outcome. Um, and really thinking, you know, and, and I could have done better there too. Um, what did I miss out on? So, uh, I, I wonder if, if David's anger here is, you know, overall kind of, you know, just about the big situation kind of shaking and maybe, maybe secondly, um, even, even wondering, um, you know, if, if God's righteous, you know, what, what have I done, you know, or what, what have I not done, um, for this to happen? Well, that, and that's a good point. Well, I mean, kind of on a couple levels there. I mean, like just kind of on the basic level, sort of like, um, you know, fire does does not have like a, a tip or or a, a point, right? Um, so, I mean, that's one of the things about anger, right? Like it's just, can you really say that you're angry like at just this one particular thing, right? And, and oh, well, not that. Like, I mean, it's kind of a... Uh, by its very nature, anger is just sort of an uh, an unspecific emotion, right? Like it kind of ends up just consuming everything around it. Uh, so, I mean, that, that that that's a point well taken all by itself. But but yeah, like you know, what what is kind of David upset about? And like we should look at that. I know that last time we had kind of a similar thing where um, there was this whole thing about you know, hang on, David's soul like hates these guys, or do they hate David's soul, right? And what does it mean that? You know, so like, uh, it's very easy, I think, to read into these emotions, our own emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just kind of project. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a good question. Are we actually reading this the right way? So, yeah, no, a lot, a lot of good stuff here. Well, let's just try to take some of it in order. Um, so, so going back to to the top of the chapter. Uh, so this is one of the questions we just that just popped up on Facebook. So like, what's David doing, taking thirty thousand men to fetch a box? <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a box to gather gather thirty thousand <laughs> men around, uh, I would say uh, this would be it. You know, it would be nice if Noah's box had had uh, gathered thirty thousand people. Um, Touche. But, yeah. But uh, this one, I think I saw a note where the Septuagint says uh, seventy thousand. Um, but it seems like this is the time where, well, last chapter, David was gathering his, uh, you know, his political um, means all towards uh, his city of Jerusalem. And this is really saying, you know, that's not only the, the political capital, um, but in a, you know, in a theocracy, I would say this still is, even with, even with the monarchy of a king. You know, this is all towards a single god. Uh, the spiritual capital should be um, and is going to be in the same place, at least how David sees it. So uh, the ark's been, what, floating around now for uh, 70 years, maybe 100 years now. Um, yeah. So it, you know, it, it's time to come up. And he, uh, from what I know, maybe it's First Chronicles. Um, I mean, he's gathering like all the Levites all around Israel. And, um, and this, well, this is, this is, you know, this is 
the event maybe out of all the things David, you know, David uh, has done, even with the palace, this this is the big event. <laughs> this, this is the biggest moment. Yeah, well, okay, so there's a, there's a couple of really good things there. Like, uh, I think one of them, too, just as you were saying, kind of like, how long has the Ark just been, like, hanging out with Abinadab, actually, this whole while, right? Because um, there's there's actually a couple a couple things about that that are a little bit... Well, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll want to take a, uh, a couple of these things in turn. So so starting out, right, so you, you mentioned the number. Um, you mentioned that the number is different in the Septuagint, right? Is that right? You said 70,000 in the Septuagint? I think it's all 70,000, yeah, as a note. You know, and that's not the first, if that's, if that's, uh, if that's right, yeah, so, yeah, Ebro me, me yeah, so that's not the first time that we've actually had that interchange. Um, if I recall in first, in first Samuel, when, I think it's when Saul was, uh, mustering the troops to go get the Amalekites. Wow. Okay. I got to double check that because that's just going right off the top of my head. Um, let's see here. Let's see if we can go back and find this here, if it was actually 30,000 here. Um, does, does that ring a bell, though, where, where it was, um, you know, so he's like, you know, showing his reluctance. This is like following the uh, the campaign against the Philistines here. So let's see here. So in First Samuel. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so First Samuel... 11 that's where you have mentioned oh, okay okay no so may maybe this is actually maybe that's this is actually the earlier episode here so yeah so this is first samuel 11 where samuel is uh or rather where saul is mustering everybody to go fight um the ammonites right this is like with with uh nahash right mm -hmm. and so in in that instance there you have this uh yeah, yeah, no, this is interesting. Because it says here, right, he mustered them at Bezek, and the people of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000, right? Which, I, I mean, in some ways, you're just sort of like, no, hang on. <laughs> I mean, isn't the real question, like, not like, why does it take 30,000 men to get an ark? But what what's going on with him taking 330,000 men to go and get you know, Nahash, right? I mean, like you think that if you had 330,000, you could probably do a lot more damage than just that. Um, but so, you know, one of the things that we didn't really get into when we, when we looked at that is it's actually um, there um, in that spot that the, the Septuagint has 70,000 instead of uh, 30,000 for the number from Judah. And, you know, it's, we could get into like a lot of stuff that, uh, I, I wonder if our listeners actually have that much interest in. But uh, bottom line being, I think that when you see, like, hey, the Septuagint's got one number, and the the uh, Masoretic text, so just to decode that, the uh, the Greek, the old Greek translation, like from like uh, before when our before our Lord was born, so very very old translation into the Greek, um, it's got one number, and then the Masoretic text, so this is a a Hebrew text, it may sort of go back that far but maybe not so it's not like a clear cut um it's not black and white which one's more reliable but when they both disagree like on that it's pretty indicative i think of there being some kind of textual corruption right that like it's like hang on a second like something's something's just up um you know maybe like the original had something entirely different um and then they're coming out with 
with uh you know like uh, kind of two different takes on it so when you looked at that it was like well actually it's probably way fewer um maybe something like seventy thousand total and uh and the first part about the three hundred thousand was just mistaken um so you wonder if uh if it's actually thirty thousand here and in second uh, Samuel chapter six and I'd be inclined to say probably not yeah I mean you're you're way beyond my pay grade there when it comes to uh, uh, the numbers and the corruptions that's definitely your area more than mine um, so I don't have a strong strong thought or opinion except when when numbers uh, are consistent um, in scripture then you always have to wonder about the the link there um, uh, the, the other thing, probably outside of most, but uh, some uh, Jewish scholars I've listened to and talked to said, you know, when you do see something that's kind of um, odd in the text, yeah. um, you could talk about corruptions or, uh, you know, uh, what happened with copying um, or motivations. You, you could also um, say sometimes these things are done as an attention getter. Mm-hmm. And that's probably something uh, I haven't heard too much there, but um, even going back to, to Genesis 1, I think in the beginning, uh, is, is like an infinitive construct. But there, there's these moments where you think, why is there this really weird um, uh, connection there? And it's, it's sometimes this key to, to say, pay attention to this. But, uh, but I don't have too much more besides that, AJ, as far as the specific number here. Yeah, well, and I, and I wonder, so I guess, like, the, the, the thing is, what I'm, I'm wondering about, like, it, it seems in some ways, like, 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 why would we even be told the number? Because I think this is a good question that you're sort of asking, right? Is it an intention getter? Like, I mean, is it trying to emphasize something to us and say, look, he, he brought 30,000 men, you know, um, some, something along these lines, right? Uh, and, and you're kind of wondering, like, why is it even relevant, though? Because, like, this is not like a... a combat situation of like well he's got this many and he's got that many and so um the thing the, the pattern that i've noticed kind of like going back to what we were talking what i was just talking about earlier about uh first samuel 11 uh, you, you sort of see in those cases like what seems to be the pattern is that you have things that are not actually numbers but they're being interpreted that way so you have phrases like you know men who uh were able to go to war or phrases like um uh, men capable of uh, drawing the sword or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, and you, so you have phrases like that, and then one of them gets taken as a number. Um, like, so, you know, in that case where it's like 300,000 and then like 30,000, like only one of those is actually supposed to be a number, and then so it ends up looking really big. So I wonder if in, just in this case, it's like, it, it's not even about the number, like how many he takes. I mean, it doesn't really matter, right, in this context. What, what would kind of make more sense i feel like in some ways it's just that it's like he's bringing his soldiers right um and in that case what we would get as a message i think is that it's like kind of like a military parade or i mean this is like a military parade but like but you know like you know it's just it's not uncommon in parades you have just think of color guards right they're like throwing around like swords and guns and stuff right that like the point is it's a parade of celebrating victory not that he's got this many troops on hand yeah, that was that was the one one thought I had for the number was that connection of that military moment and now here, and I think as you go on, that's something that comes out too. Um, like you said, with a war a war victory party, you know, 
we we specify that what the ark is called by the name the lord of lord of hosts the lord of yep. armies right yep. and he's you know he's enthroned over his angels you know so here's his ruling spot of the victor so uh yeah i think we have you know we have a, a clear uh you know macy's new year's day parade here going on but more than that we have you know we have a victory of uh of of god <laughs> yeah yeah no no i think so and I, and I think that in that way actually the chapter number is kind of artificial here um you have the connective consecutive form i think this is meant to just be continuing the previous chapter that david uh did his lord commanded him struck down the philistines from gave to gazer and he gathered them all together and they had a parade like it's like the very next breath but uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to move on here, but uh, we'll have to take a break. First, everybody, hold on. We're looking at Second Samuel chapter 6 on Nice Strong Word, and we'll be right back. On this Friday, October 23rd, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Randy and Cindy Miller of Perryville, Missouri, as they give thanks for the blessing of marriage. Randy and Cindy made a gift to KFUO Radio in celebration of their wedding anniversary and in thanks to the Lord for his many blessings that he has bestowed on them throughout their marriage. Thank you, Randy and Cindy Miller, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more about classical Lutheran education at Faith Plano, visit flsplano.org. That's flsplano.org. Cross Defense is the show where we talk about curious topics to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul with God's Word. Join me, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on kfuo.org or even your favorite podcast app. My friends, our foe is a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 6 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Lucas Witt, pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you've got a question or comment for us, you can give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Also, if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. You can send your thoughts or questions via email as well to kfuo at kfuo.org, or just post them on the live stream, facebook.com slash Espinosa. So yeah, I think we were uh, just about kind of ready to move on from the 300 or the not 300,000, that was uh, 1 Samuel 11, the 30,000 here that we have in 2 Samuel 6. Uh, another question here, though, is there any connection with the soldiers taking the ark back uh, when the soldiers just carried away all the Philistine idols in 521? Well, see, 
uh, chapter 521 that is yeah i i think that might be part of it too right um you, you think about these sorts of like parades and shows and displays of victory and one of the things is you know carrying back the spoils right you can imagine like some like you know big parade where you're like marching their idols like with their hands and their feet cut off and you're marching them to like a big fire or something like that right um, I think that our guest yesterday, Pastor uh, Finnern, mentioned that, like in Second Chronicles, it depicts it actually tells us how they they burned the idols, right? So I think that kind of further, yeah, I think I think I mean that's uh, my kind of quick take on that, uh, Pastor Witt. Um, any any kind of quick ideas on that to that question about the carrying away of the idols? Nothing more than what you said there. No. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 all just. I mean, it's just very interesting, right? Because you have all these little details, and just uh, you know, the, the question just becomes like, so what are you doing with this? Are you like, okay, like carrying away the idols was one thing, and then getting everybody for this event, to, like taking the ark, is another thing, right? Like, or do you, do you put it together and you say like, oh, this is all kind of like one story here, where you know we we, we fought, we won the victory, we carry away the idols, we fetch the ark of the covenant burn the idols right um yeah it's it's, it's just pretty interesting because where, where you draw these lines right like between the chapters ends up kind of sometimes really changing like the whole picture but um i don't want to get too far into answering all the questions though i want to make sure i for, don't forget thank our underwriters at the lutheran heritage foundation lhfmissions.org thank you guys for your support of thy strong word uh, yeah, guys, check out their website. They uh, they keep updating it, even in the midst of everything that's going on. And, and in fact, in some ways, uh, uh, it, it's uh, just all the better to check out what's going on. Sometimes we just kind of get in our little bubbles, and you're just like, oh man, kind of keep hearing about the same things over and over again. But um, I mean, you've you've got like uh, some updates about um, everything from Tanzania to Transylvania uh, on their on their site under the latest news. So check that out. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, all right. So I, I think, uh, so I, I think we've kind of spent enough time at least for right now, um, without, you know, uh, the next step would be pulling out the manuscripts and like pointing, looking at the letters. <laughs> so well, I'm just moving on from there. Like, let, let's say, let's, let's say it's a parade. Let's say it's a victory parade. Okay. So then here's the question. So why are they getting the Ark of the Covenant here? And this maybe gets back to the question you raised earlier. Is it right that they're getting it right now, or should they have been doing something else with it, right? It seemed like you kind of had a, a thought there. Uh, well, I can't say that was the strongest thought in my head, no. But um, <laughs> <laughs> are you, yeah, you must be putting your own thoughts and emotions into my head, AJ. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, 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 I won't say that I don't do that, but like— but no, but didn't didn't you say earlier like okay, so they're they're moving the ark, right? But didn't you say something like why are they moving it now, or should they have been doing that? Or um, I mean, I think my, I honestly the, the question that that baffles me, and I have no good answer to, is kind of how how they let it get on the cart when um, uh, you know w with all the all the the teachings they are supposed to have passed down, and all the practices. But uh, I mean, a step before that, yeah, that's that's a good question too. You know, David, um, and now that you mention it, you know, this isn't at least there's nothing recorded for, you know, he's, uh, he's consulting God about the time to do this, right? Or any prophet, he's just, uh, saying now is the time to, to bring the ark, um, yeah. you know, with the, with the, uh, you know, what becomes the temple, you know, he talked to what Nathan there and he said, go do it. Uh, and God said, no, but with the ark here, it just seems like, um, you know, he, he decided to do it. And then, uh, 
and then we need another tabernacle made because, um, well, tradition has it that uh, the previous one was destroyed, or we definitely have no idea where it is at this point. Um, but so that's a good question. Uh, uh, you know, is this is this rice timing or not? Um, but it is it is happening, and I would say if if anything happened too quickly here, it's uh, clearly their their preparation for how they were supposed to be moving it, uh, even before where they were going to be putting it, uh, as the the account says here. Oh, okay. So, so, okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I get what you were getting at. You're, you're just talking about like the cart part of it, right? Well, cause I mean, that's interesting too, because in, in verse three, right, it says that they put it on a new cart, right? Um, and, and that's, well, and of course I don't, it's hard to even make too much of this, right? Because like the last word of the sentence there is new, um, like it's the kind of part that is being emphasized here, of course, you look at your Bible and you're like, oh, speaking of, uh, you know, some of like the, the Greek manuscripts, some manuscripts don't have the word <laughs> new, <laughs> right? So, so uh, like the manuscripts that don't have the word new, it's like they're saying, oh, they put it on a cart, right? Which maybe your point, um, and, and you maybe you make this more explicit for us. Oh, is that a problem that they're putting it on a cart, right? Um, but then if the word new is supposed to be there, like, what's the point of uh, telling us that it's on a new one? Yeah, that's a good question there with the, with the emphasis. So yeah, I guess, you know, how it got on the cart, um, you know, I, I have pictures in my head and my, you know, you and nobody else can see them. So yeah, it's not a question of, you know, how many men it took to lift it up there or, you know, did they use jacks or ramps or something like that? But, um, I mean, the ark, <laughs> As, uh, is supposed to be carried by by uh, the Levites, right, and the Kohath, yep. uh, uh specifically. Um, and so, you know, yeah, but, but that's not how it's happening. And that's really what, uh, you know, really where, where all this kind of goes wrong or, or why this goes wrong um, as far as, you know, it could have been prevented if this was done. But, uh, yeah, it's being brought in on a, on a cart here. And, I mean, regardless of whether it's new or not, that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, so maybe the new part there is, you know, it, it makes me the new cart makes me connected more to the Philistines because that's what they did. You know, when they sent it back, um, and they yeah. sent it and they said, you know, let's let's just uh, you know slap the oxen on the rear, and if they go in the right direction, you know, we know this is uh, this is their god, and if they just you know, <laughs> if they don't know where they're going, then you know we're just imagining things. Um, but uh, you know, so they put it on a new cart, um, and then you know they sent back the golden mice and and uh, golden hemorrhoids. <laughs> Um, yep. and, and there it went, and there it's been sitting. But, uh, but now, you know, the truth is they're doing they're doing what they saw done um, around yeah. them. They saw what the Philistines did. So whether it's the same cart or a new cart, you know, that's that's uh, that's what what it seems to be the assumption is. You know, if we if we do it like they did, um, that's that's uh, that's okay, or at least that's the best that they know at this point, uh, or the best yeah. they did. So, so that, that's really fascinating. Like, you know, so are the Israelites acting like Philistines, right? Like, are, are they treating the Ark of the Covenant, right, as if it's less than what it is? Uh, because, I mean, and I think the language supports, uh, it supports your angle right there, right? Because it says there, um, <laughs> you know, to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. Right, that's an awfully long way of saying they went to go get the ark, right? So by by I think by saying that as like an, as a storyteller, you're sort of like, so they went to go and get the ark, 
the ark of God, you know, the ark of God, you know, called by the name of Yahweh, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a cart. I mean, like, so, you know, if, if that's what's going on storytelling wise, I, I think that would completely underscore what you're saying that, whoa, wait a second. Why on earth would they think that that's okay to do? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you, you, you took my car, my new car, my brand new car, my brand new car that's a Ferrari, my brand new car that's a Ferrari and is designed yeah. to win races, and you put a, you know, a, a two-stroke lawnmower engine in it. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah right. So I like how you built that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's, it's like, why, why on earth would you do this? And, and I feel like also, it, as um, this is one of the storytelling things, that it's like, you got to kind of read this stuff the right way. Otherwise, you're kind of reading this and you're like, Okay, here's a, like a long, like you know, like a long-winded, you know, moment here, which is the sentence just keeps going on and on about all this. Um, but I mean, like, it, it's not even the only place here where you have like a long list of uh, things. It was um, with the music, right, in, the, in verse five, where it's with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And uh, I'm not positive, but there's two other places um, in scripture that have like I think a long list of. Well, there's, there's one's like a long list of kind of like fancy, pretty things, and that's in Isaiah, um, and that's a bad, uh, it's a condemning passage, right? Like, oh, yeah, like you know, you you women of Judah or something like this, like you know, with you, know, you put on like you know your 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 bells and your trinkets and your bracelets and all this stuff, right? But like, your your how about your hearts? They're, they're far from God. So there, there's that moment, um, and then the other thing, which is I think even closer, which I think should like raise alarm bells is you have a long list of instruments in the story of Daniel, right? Which is going to come later, of course, but it's when you have the golden image and Daniel's friends are there before it. And it's like, well, when you hear like the, the harp, the trigon, the, like the bagpipe, the flutes, I mean, like the list is insane. It's like twice as long as this, but it, it's meant in a scorning way. It's meant to scorn them like, oh, here they are with their, you know, their, their highfalutin, Right. So, yeah, you, you wonder if uh, some of these longer lists and longer details are meant to be conveying a, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a pretty kind of polemical tone. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point you make up. And, you know, reading a lot of children's books now, <laughs> you're probably doing <laughs> Yeah, right. Time. It's not uncommon to kind of see this building up and, uh, and, and seeing the emphasis and, and also seeing the, you know, Maybe even the the, you know, the 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 cadence, uh, the memorizing yeah. too, or as I say, cadence. Maybe even, you know, think of military here walking along. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's. I mean, the, the text is is just beautiful in how it does things. So. I, yeah. Yeah. No. No. It, it, it's it's definitely up. To, it's definitely up to something, right? And it's up to something. Well, um, it, the, the challenge is when you're like looking at it, like you know, a couple thousand years later, and. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, well, like, but how how did they actually read this, right? Um, but but yeah, I, I like I like what you're saying though. You know, so God spelled out pretty clearly in Exodus and Numbers, and it's probably in Leviticus too, right? Like, hey, you're supposed to carry this thing. Um, so that that's kind of the the first thing. Like, you know, just just putting it on this cart is just what what are you doing? Do you have no respect, right, for for the for the Ark of God? Uh, last bit here, uh, Abinadab, okay, out of the house of Abinadab on the hill. Okay, where is that? Why is it there? Oh, let's see here. Um, 
Well, well, that wasn't meant to be a, a gotcha question, but, but I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I seriously though, I'm wondering because it's, uh, it's, it's, there's a little footnote here in the ESV on verse three, um, that says it, uh, first Samuel chapter seven, verse one, and that's where it narrates, um, the, the ark returning. This is, I mean, this is, I think so fascinating. I think it really complements your point. Re- returning to Israel from the Canaanites, uh, from from the Philistines, right after they had, um, you know, abused the ark and used it in their little parades, right, and so they send it back. It goes to Beth Shemesh, and the men of Beth Shemesh, right, they go and they put it. it. On, they build like a big. They, it's like a big stone. They have like a big, um, like monument, basically, like along with the uh, the cart of the golden tumors, like you were mentioning, and they put all this stuff up there. And it's like, hey, look at our big monument. We got the ark. You know, come see it. It's a tourist attraction. You know, take pictures in front of it. Only five dollars, right? And and so they do this, and God strikes all kinds of people down, not just one dude. Um, and after that, they're scared, and so they send the ark away to Abinadab, right? Like, so I feel like that's like, oh, hang on a second. There's some connections that should make us leery of this too. Well, Abinadab, from from what I no, is a, a Levite, um, yeah. if I remember correctly, and uh, I mean the ark seems to be in better hands, uh, in, including as it goes back, you know, back to Obed Adam here um, later on. He, he seems to be one too. So uh, you have the ark that seems to be <laughs> seems to be indicating is more at home, uh, hanging around with with a Levite there. Um, uh, I think the, the other part of that is. Uh, uh, you know, as David is going to get frustrated and thinking, you know, how can I hang around this ark? Like, you know, one moment I'm I'm playing celebrate good times with it, and uh, and the next thing you know, it you know the the, the empire marches, you know, is in the background because something goes wrong. So, it also seems yeah. like I mean, uh, well, going back to to attitude intentions, I mean, the ark, uh, it's it's what happens to people around it is is very closely tied to to what they do with it uh their their attitude around it how they how they respect it um and and such there too so i think that's that's the other part that kind of is floating in with my mind um yeah abinadab uh i i want to say that he was uh his family was um uh of the same uh same uh general family as as david as well um of uh an effort yeah. like that. Um so No gosh, that that I don't that I don't remember. Um but but yeah, no, I think I think that it's uh like you're saying, I, I think we should read that like, oh Abinadab, that was a good thing when they gave it to Abinadab, right? Like it was bad when they were just parading around like the Philistines or like what they did with, like at Beth Shemesh. And so when they're here they're taking it from Abinadab, right? Um, I, and they're putting it on the cart. You're like, I, I think we should just already like, it's so many alarm bells, right. Should be going off. This is like very much like what deliberately is going on. I think, um, which, which then I think then connects us to maybe this, this has got to be kind of like the big point for the first half here. You got then verse five with your long list of, uh, you know, instruments, which is like, Hmm, okay. Should we be happy about that? Um, and then you get Uza putting out his hand. Um, you know, to like, you know, catch the ark, right, or something like before before it falls. You know, since the oxen stumbled, it's of course. Well, hang on. Why are you making animals propel the ark and not people? Like like God said, right? Um, and then and then like you were saying in verse eight, you know, David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. 
is it really angry at God? Or is it perhaps, as you were saying, is he angry at himself? Because he realizes this big show that he has put on was wrong from the outset. Mm, yeah, that's that's well put there. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he apparently has three months to kind of think about and ponder this um, yeah. until he, he's trying this again. And, uh, and then my hunch is he went back to go and do his homework um, to see what was, what was missed there. But yeah, I like that. I like that point, AJ. Um, I, out of all the, the, uh, the people doing the right thing and, and the, the less respectful thing towards God, I would say I, I jumped over thinking about, uh, David in that, in that aspect there. Um, well, I mean, it, it's a pretty, it's a really interesting sentence there. Um, it, it's not like the sort of like, you know, like God, you know, gets angry at this guy kind of thing. You know, it says that he gets, you know, angry, upset. Um, and then the very next sentence, he was, it says he was afraid of the Lord that day. So I, I feel like that supports the idea. Just you were illustrating before about the thing about, you know, you, you, when you were kind of angry in, in the car and like your, your anger, you, you kind of realized was on a certain level, like anger at yourself, right? Like, and, and I, and I think that might be what's going on that we actually, are kind of figuring out that God killing Uzzah was actually kind of merciful because he in some way should have killed David for doing this already. But that would have been pretty problematic for like, you know, your, your new King's, you know, first victory parade and uh, your King's dead after just like having just recently been inaugurated. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not quite sure who to take as the most responsible one here, right? I want to say, and maybe in our context, right, we think of the pastors. So, um, you know, the Levites should should know best. That's their area. But you know, David's the the king and the leader. And you know, according to Deuteronomy 17, I think it is he's he's supposed to have written his own copy of the Torah and carrying it with him everywhere, you know, yeah. including now and in battle and everything. So, um, but yeah, I I think uh, you know, so often. I think that when the text comes out and, and says, um, you know, that kind of sounds like, you know, God's overlooking and ready to strike people down when it happens like this. Uh, I kind of think of it more as um, uh, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, analogy to electricity. Like when we do, you know, what we are supposed to do and handle things the way it's designed, you know, power flows, right? If you, if you plug in your, your three pronged grounded uh, cord into the outlet, you know, things work well, because that's how it's designed. Right. If, if you stick in a fork, um, things can go horribly wrong, and people can die, because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not what it was designed for. And so I, I kind of, you know, for, for those who are struggling with, you know, maybe God coming in, you know, um, like a big bully here, I mean, it, yeah. it's, still, it's still something he does clearly, but you know, I, I think this kind of relates to our day today, um, you know, pretty well, too. Like when we talk about, well, you know, when things are broken in the world, yes, it's sin, but, but there's also this, this, you know, following of God's ways, you know, and when we have families that, uh, you know, that hold the, the way he created them, when we have a following of, of, uh, you know, rules both of, uh, of scripture and of, of, uh, you know, our secular society, yeah. things, things, things work better, things flow. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that's, that's a neat analogy, just the idea of, hey, you know what, like, things, you know, in, in reality, right, like, like, real things have consequences, and it doesn't matter what your intention is, right? Like, like you were saying, you stick the fork, um, you know, in, in the outlet, 
doesn't matter if you were trying to fix the outlet when you did that, like you did that, right? Like, and that's great intentions of fixing that with the force. Yeah, it's, well, but yeah. I, but I only meant for the best, you know, it's like, well, but you did it though. Right. Um, and, and I think in the modern context, uh, another illustration of it, uh, is I think kind of like, uh, kind of really actually to kind of me too. And like, actually a lot of the stuff about like kind of the racial tension, um, that that's been going on, um, particularly just like with related to the ideas of like minorities really kind of suffering in different ways, um, where, where, where I, I guess like the, the majorities in power don't even necessarily realize it. Right. Because you have this. And, and in fact, this came out in the debate last night that, you know, like there's this, there's an attitude of like, well, I'm like the least racist guy ever. I, I'm not racist, not a racist bone in my body. Right. Um, and it's like you get the point that he's making. It's, he's not like deliberately trying to like go after and marginalize, but that that's the point that he's making. But uh, the point that other people are making is, but hang on, intentions aren't everything. Like, yeah, you didn't intend this, but do you realize that by just doing this by its very nature, you're sticking a fork in the outlet? You know, I mean, and, and so I think you see that whether it's like minorities or whether it's women, right? That that uh, there are these ways that people like have there's real consequences that negatively affect people regardless of whether you were trying to like offend them or trying to uh, do the, this other thing. Right. And, and so I, I think that there's actually like a pretty like good way for us to kind of relate to what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good, uh, you know, again, taking it into the, the everyday world here, but you know, I guess the old, the old story that popped in my head before was the monkey and the fish, right? The, the monkey sees the fish in the water, and he's like, oh, look at him. He's down there. I'll take him out, right? And so he takes the fish out of the water, and the fish is all jumping around happy on land, you know, and, and the monkey's all happy that he's, uh, well, finally the fish rests. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, gosh. He rests, he rests on the land, and he just, you know, takes a nap. And the monkey's so happy, um, you know, but his intentions were not what was, you know, what was best, and the consequences happened. Um, so kind of where we started there. So, And then, yeah. in, you know, in, in Scripture here, um, you know, David has has good intentions, and he you know he does his homework, I guess, and and then he pulls out the right plug um, on the second try here, and uh, and then you know and then the ark makes it, <laughs> you know the ark, or at least makes it to the city. Yeah, I know that, that's right. Wow, that monkey and the fish story. I have to hold on to that one. I like your illustration better, better, better than what I was comparing it to the debate. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so I know. I was, I mean, I was just... watching the monkey and the fish while you were watching the debate <laughs> yeah. last night. No. <laughs> I, I have a story about that because I wasn't actually watching the debate. But uh, yeah, there's no time for that. Uh, speaking of time, all right, we, we gotta go to the end here. Okay, so because the other kind of incident here is with Mikal. Okay. So there's this, there's this David leaping and dancing before the Lord, it says, right? And in, in, uh, in verse 16, it says she despised him in her heart. You know, and you're kind of like, hang on, what does this mean? Let's just go with this interpretation. She sees him acting like a, a buffoon. Um, like a and, and she privately um, despises that behavior. So she, she doesn't make it public, right? So, so actually, right, Mikal positive thing there um doesn't doesn't tell everyone um or or, you know uh, dishonor her husband so after this big show um she she says this like hang on that was uh, what what on earth were you doing there and then at the very end uh, after he makes his retort it says and mccall the daughter of saul had no child to the day of her death is that god punishing her that's another another good question there um 
Yeah, and I guess how that plays out, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if that's, you know, is this, uh, is this David, <laughs> is this David saying, you know, you, in, you insulted me here, you know, I, you know, the, the, the lower I get uh, in this situation, the, the more I glorify God, no, um, and so, but you know, you've, you've dishonored me. Now you make a good point. She did it in private, right? And I'm shaking my head like, yeah, that's the way. You know, I hope my wife does it, and you know, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, and she does. But uh, yeah, is this David? You know, is this a response saying David? Uh, or David was like, nope. All right, you're done. You know, I am staying away from you. You know, and you know, I, have, I have other wives, unfortunately. Um, but uh, well, I, I, the thing <laughs> is, like, what you're saying right there, like, I wonder if that's actually what we're supposed to be taking. Like, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on one way or the other, but like, I think that's pretty suggestive, right? Because it doesn't say, and the Lord made her barren, or the Lord closed her womb, and that, like, yep. those are phrases that are used in Scripture, but it's not used here, right? That's true. And you do so, like, there. Yeah. that's, that's like, to me saying, okay, hang on a second, right? And so, uh, it, what what's also said in Scripture, too, is, like, you know, uh, don't despise the wife of your youth, right? Um, and th- there's stuff in the New Testament, like in the letters of John, right? Uh, you know, to be true to your first love. McCall was, uh, you know, by the way that I think you read this story naturally, his first wife is this him saying, you know what, forget you. If I'm going to get this lip from you, I've got, like you were saying, otherwise in concubines, which if that's, if that's the way we're supposed to be reading it, this whole chapter reflects badly on David from beginning to end. Okay. 30 seconds. That's a downer. Um, Including thoughts. <laughs> oh well, I, I I think this you know overall, <laughs> big, big thoughts is right. This is this is a, a joyous opportunity to remember our our holy God who um, you know demands and and uh, deserves high respect uh, for us to seek out uh, uh, Him according to His terms and uh, and when we do that, uh, thing, things flow. Yes, yeah. May, may God have mercy and may God. Uh, direct our leaders to not not put us in these situations uh, like Michal and Uzzah were put in. But yeah, you see this, that David's spared, not because he's doing everything right, but because of God's mercy ultimately for his people Israel and the line of David and the seed of David, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, brother. Always love it. You should come back in another two weeks and we'll just keep doing this. (laughs) If you let me, I'll be here. All right. Sounds good, brother. Everybody, Pastor Lucas Witt, Emmanuel of Baltimore, Maryland. We're going to be going on to Chapter 7. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. The official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.